In today's episode, I talked to my friend Josh Kalinowski, who went from being a pro baseball player to now running multiple companies and managing tons of people and building an amazing community. In fact, Josh is launching his brand new book called Strike Three, What to Do When the Game's Over But Life Is Not. And I have a very special connection with Josh and his life and the book because as I wrote it, as I read it, uh, Josh invited me to write the foreword to the book. And um, I was one of the early ones who read the book and got to write the foreword and where I really saw Josh's message shine through where he talks about things like how to find your superpower, the difference between passion and purpose, why we are qualified by failure, how to actually knock down the walls around us and how to understand the concept of impact and influence, how to swing better, badder, faster, how, how to do all of this and specifically what to do when the game is over but the life is not. I am super excited for this episode because Josh's warmth and vulnerability will impress you so much for all that he is and all that he has done. And uh, this episode with Josh Kalinowski starts right now. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to. How to grow your business. How to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. Josh, you've been working on uh, a pretty cool project for a couple of years now. And knowing you, you it just was not a 30-day thing or a 60-day thing because I actually was involved in this a little bit with you. So I'd love for you to tell the world, man, you've been working on this amazing project and it's live. What yeah. is it? Uh, first of all, brother, thanks for having me on, man. I'm super excited to be talking with you today. Uh, yeah, well, actually, I've been working on this project my entire life. Uh, it just happens to be in the written and the verbal format here that we're going to release. Uh, it took us two years to actually, as you know, you're, you're writing a book. Uh, yeah. it, it took two years and about you know ten different manuscripts uh, to really get that message out and really to uncover, I think, a lot of the story uh, that I was hiding within myself. And uh, yes, absolutely excited. As you all know, we're going to launch that book uh, this week when this podcast comes out. So we're excited about releasing Strike Three, what to do when the game is over, but life is not. So absolutely thrilled. Dude, that's so cool. And I have, I'm very fortunate for a bunch of reasons. One, uh, over the last year, I've seen this manuscript come to life, the book come to life. I have also seen it seen it in many draft forms. And you were kind enough to uh, uh, invite me to write the forward for it too. And, and I, to, to do that, I was like, I have to, I know Josh's story. I know his family. I know his businesses, mm -hmm. but I need to read this book. So I, over the months, I've kind of, you know, been reading it and writing the forward was this, this amazing cathartic experience for me because it was super easy to write after reading the book. And so I want to, I want to ask you about like that moment where you decided and you said, well, I had this childhood dream of playing professional sports. I achieved it. And then something 
interesting happened. Like that's the moment when I read the book, like that's what hit me really hard, like the first couple of chapters. And I think that a lot of folks have that may be playing pro sports or building their first company or having their own law firm or whatever. But I think this, that, that there's a very interesting moment there. And I think you unpacked it really well. And I'd love for you to kind of go to that moment and maybe talk about that. Yeah, buddy. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm so grateful for the fact that you wrote the forward on this. And, and I think that one of the reasons why it was probably easy to, to write that forward is because you've experienced that yourself. You know, uh, you know, there's some really interesting stats out there. You know, 45% of CEOs have a massive issue, an event in their life that happens that changes the course of, of the trajectory of their life. I mean, 45% of CEOs, you know, tragic happens, uh, tragedy happens. And so, and I, I experienced that. And, you know, I was, I think sometimes what I found out, I should say, is that we often confuse our purpose with a dream that we have. Because that dream is so massive, it, it, it encompasses us, it, it overwhelms us, it takes over our entire life, right? And it becomes who we are and how we identify ourselves with. And, and I did that. Baseball was my massive dream. Baseball was who I was, as who the people knew me. Um, I had an, a completely different name. You know, you, uh, you know, I'm known as Josh Kalinowski, but I, back then I was known as J. Cal or Ski, right? Mm-hmm. I was known as Special K because I threw a lot of strikeouts, yeah. you know? And when you lose that persona, you sometimes think that you lost your purpose. And so after a number of years of trying to build myself out of that, trying to discover who the heck I was, and the fact that I wasn't an accident, that I didn't have to live in this shame, I was able to verbalize what I did in order to live a life on fire and to be able to serve others as I tell this story. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, the the one thing I was reading it, and you kind of helped me with this is in the last few months, I've been kind of talking about kind of purpose and identity a lot. And you went through this, this, this identity conversation. Yeah. And I, I want to talk to the entrepreneur right now who is listening and saying, well, is, is who I am my company? Is who I am what I do day to day? Is who I am my past track record of success? Can I, can I change what I'm doing? I actually talk to entrepreneurs and they're like, well, I've been in this game 20 years. I, 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 how can I ever leave the real estate game or the insurance game or the construction game? Like, this is all I know. And this is where my network and this is where my quote identity is. This is where I cut my teeth. So I, I would be, I would be leaving, um, you know, this, this mini legacy behind of everything that I built and starting over. Like I can't do that. So when you, when you're talking and coaching that entrepreneur, how do you talk to them about identity? Yeah, buddy. And that's tough, dude. Once again, because we we hold so close to that, right? We hold so close to maybe the lie that we've been uh that we've been owning for that entire time period in, in our life. And and we've actually and we built it, right? As a matter of fact, we've we've harnessed it, we've we've trained for it, we've sacrificed for it. You know, I, in the book I talk about like this is it's a marriage, it's a it's a girlfriend, it's a it's a boyfriend, it's a husband, it's a wife, because we 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 own like we we become a part of that dream, we become a part of that what we think is our purpose. This. And then when we identify that as something that who's who we are, it's really hard to leave that. And so in this journey that I discovered, um, one of the things I talk about in there is, is the fact that we have to understand, like, if, if, if our path is going in one direction, uh, we have to understand is like, is that the burden that we really have in our life? Right? We, we wake up, um, you know, every once in a while, we'll wake up and just go, you know, 
am I really using the talents that I have for the purpose that I believe that I was created for, right? And, and in my life, as I got a little bit older and we started to have a family and, you know, I've, I've had multiple uh, companies, I realized like I wasn't passionate about that. You know, I was creating this life, as you talk about with, as, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I was creating a life of a lot of things around me that were other people's passions. Yeah. And I, and I was kind of clinging on to their, onto their dreams and I was clinging on to their, their goals and their hopes, hoping to be a part of that, trying to find and, and discover mine. And so as I looked at going, okay, you know, what is the burden? Andy Stanley is a, is a yeah. tremendous uh, pastor in the United States here out of Atlanta, Georgia. And he talks about this specifically about, and when you find your burden, right? When you find your burden and you align it with the talent that you've discovered in your life, and then with the opportunity that you see, you are finally able to discover this purpose in your life. Yeah. And I would say that when I, when I was able to accept that, when I was able to identify this burden, this ache that I had in, inside of me, I was able to see like the dream that died wasn't my purpose. The dream that died wasn't me. Yeah. It was literally just a step in the self-discovery of who I was going to become along the path. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to really take a step back and say, okay, is this like the purpose that I have for this job or this, uh, this business that I have right now, what is it, how is it serving the burden that I feel in my heart? And if they can't identify it, then they really need to have that conversation with themselves. Yeah. Hey, I, I think um, I want to, I want to like bring this out tactically because you and I have kind of worked on this together just in our mastermind sessions where it, I was looking back at uh, this past year and I was thinking, well, what was the key things that, I, both I have done and the CEOs that I work with that done that are were game changers, right? And I actually came up with these three things that were very common to everyone that I've seen really bring out the greatness. And it's fascinating because you and I have have done this together. The first one is um, is, is is the understanding of the calendar. Like literally, we say, "Hey, like where is our time going?" Because our time is we are we are. Uh, literally affirming our commitments based on where we're putting our time. So number one, like a calendar audit, I hate calling it the audit, but we review it together. Number two was, I always tell people like, show me a spreadsheet. At some point, all that time is going to like end into a number. I want to see that. But this is the third thing I want to talk about. The third thing is, and you gave me this great gift, which was this beautiful, like hand-stitched leather journal, right? And I think that when you talk about the identity, us taking a step back, us understanding that burden that we carry, uh, there's got to be some manifestation of that in some way. And I know you like to, you know, you like to, you like to drive to the mountains and your time in the truck is the way you think. And I, I will generally just like, just drive because sometimes I just need to do that. But you also journal a lot. And I would love for maybe you to talk about the practice of when you started this journaling process, how you maybe do it mechanically, how you've taught it, just around this and, and how that's helped you. I, I would wager that's helped you write this book and become the man you are today in many ways. Yeah. Well, I, I love the fact that you brought up the journal because it is such a is such an important evolution uh, in our lives. Um, you know, it can be a very intimidating thing to do, you know, because most of us don't consider ourselves writers. I, I'm not a writer, even though we wrote a book, but I had a lot of help and I had people around me that were writers, I would say. And so as I looked at this journey, a journal, um, what I discovered is that I had to really start simple. You know, I literally was like, I'm, I'm just spending five minutes at the end of the day and I'm just going to write down my thoughts. I'm just going to write down like what happened throughout that day. And I think it's like anything in the evolution of what we find ourselves in our lives. You know, you don't wake up and you don't, when you have your newborn baby, 
you're, you don't even know what the heck you're doing as a father. <laughs> like you don't even know how to change the diaper, but by your second or your third child, you've kind of got the system down and you know a little bit more about it, right? You know how to burp and you know how to change the diaper and you know how to feed and you know how to take care, you know how to bathe them, you know, all these things. So it's the evolution of that experience of the journal where you just start small, you just start simple. And when you can do that, you start to see, um, you start to see how much you're growing in it. So when I literally started it, I was just writing down my simple thoughts. Hey, today sucked. Like today was overwhelming. Today was challenging. Uh, but you know what? It's going to be better tomorrow. And as I did that process, I think one of the key, fact, the key factors that allowed for me to mature in that was that I reflected upon them. Yeah. And as I reflected upon those past journal entries, what I realized is that I didn't want to be known. Like if anybody was going to ever read this, like I was, and I was totally fine with that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't want anybody to look at my journal and say, man, he had a lot of hard stuff going on in his life. Or man, he is like, there's a lot of negativity that he was surrounding himself with. Right. And so I changed my mindset. I literally changed within the first month. I started looking at it and going, okay, what do I want to be known for? You know, this is a journal. And I, and I would tell you the way that I look at my journal nowadays is my journal is, is what I want my children to, to read when I'm no longer present in their lives. Awesome. I, I want, I want them to look at like how much I thought of them. I want them to want them to see how much I, I thought of their mom and how much I loved her and how everything that I did had their names written on it, right? So these businesses and these opportunities and writing this book and the challenges that we were faced, like I was doing this so that they could see that their father was doing hard stuff with a joyful heart. Yeah. You know, and so I want that to be my legacy to them and so that they have the courage to do the same for their children as they grow older and as they start to accomplish amazing things in their life. So the journal was really my voice on paper to give my kids hope for who their dad was and everything I wanted to be for them and for others. Dude, that's so, it's so powerful. And, and I haven't shared this story with you. Um, so my, uh, one of my early coaches, uh, I was, I was journaling and she said, show me your journal. She's like, you've shown me everything else. Show me your journal. So I show her my journal and we're sitting across the table and I show her my journal. She's like, I don't understand anything. Like I can't read your handwriting. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm trying to keep up with the thoughts in my head. She goes, yeah, but like it's pages and pages of, I can't understand anything. She goes, no problem. Can you read like a couple of, th of this to me? Maybe I just don't understand your penmanship. And Josh, I couldn't read it. Right. Yeah. And she asked me, she's like, can we be really honest with ourselves? And I said, yeah, she goes, are you writing this? Are you scribbling in it so that no one would read it? Wow. And I yeah. said, and I said, yes. I said, I am scared that I'm nervous that someone is going to read this and judge me. And she told me something that was fascinating. She says, nine out of the 10 CEOs that I coach all don't journal because they're afraid that someone is going to read their journal. Yeah. And I think your shift was ultra powerful there, which was like, hey, like you said, I don't mind it if someone reads this. And I will tell you, Josh, like I am not quite there yet. Like I, like no one reads my stuff in my, in my house, but even when I write now, like I, I write it in a, it's not dear diary, but I just, it's a, it's a dump of my thoughts. But there are times when it gets very personal that I find myself just scribbling through it. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to actually read that. But I think the, the art of taking that thought and making it words and giving it, you know, space. Like I, I have, I came up with this thing. I said, you know, fear has no place on paper. And yeah. if we can really translate that, it's, it's ultra helpful. 
And this makes me think of, um, it, as I was telling you, this made me think of this, this chapter you, you wrote in the book. Um, probably my, one of my favorites, and it was the, the two beasts, right? And uh, for those of you know, know, those know you, they know, they know your love for the lions and they know, yeah. but, the, but, but, but you really bring out, I'd say the, in the entire book, like that was my favorite because it, it really brought out who you are. And I'd love for you to maybe like personify that, talk about like, how did that, how did, how did that two beast concept come out? Yeah, you bet, brother. Well, I think one thing I just want to I want to make sure that people understand too is like even though that fear doesn't have any room on paper in a sense, I think it's more about being scared. Like the like the the um, being scared of something is not. I mean, being fearful is good. Like being fearful mm -hmm. is what drives you to have success and drives you to push through the challenges in your life. And so when you look at the two beasts. You know, both of them, the, both of them will bring out some fear in you, right? You've got, once again, you have these two beasts that are inside of you that were constantly battling, right? You have the good and healthy one that you are the best, like you are the best version of yourself and you are there out there, you're selfless, you're serving other people, you're serving yourself, you're filling your cup, right? You're filling the cup of others. And then you have the other beast that, beast that is the, the selfish one, right? The one that, that uh, doesn't look at life in the same light, the one that is more of, of a taker than a giver, yeah. right? The one that is unhealthy and is, is the one that's actually causing you to have arguments with your spouse or for you to um, do things that are not within the integrity that you've taken ownership of in your life, right? And depending on how we're feeding those, you know, that's the direction of our life. That's the, the successes that we'll experience. And, you know, when I, when I identified that I lived with this beast of scarcity, I lived with this beast of jealousy. I lived with this beast of like, nothing was ever enough. I was incomplete. I had shame. I had blame for others and myself of why I couldn't com complete the job or why I failed at my ultimate dream. And when you feed that beast, you're not healthy. You're, you're unhealthy and you can't be all that you were created to be. You can't be who you need to be for those that love you and those that need you, need you and need your leadership. And so I think it's really important for us to, first of all, identify it. Just like you said before, is like we have to realize that there are two beasts within us and we can choose daily who we're going to feed. And if we continue to feed this one, the unhealthy one, we're going to send our life in a directory that we will, that we will regret, that we'll wake up one day divorced, right? You know, 45% of marriages end in divorce, right? And there's a lot of things that go into that. But one of it is that we feel we feed the unhealthy beast, we feel feed the beast of insecurity, and jealousy, and lack of integrity. But if we want to have a healthy marriage, we have to feed the healthy beast, because we know that's what's going to allow us to live the life that we desire, and we truly, truly want. Yeah. So I think it's really important for us to identify that. So I hope that helps uh, just kind of yeah. clarify. Those, those I, I think, I think, I think giving people the permission to know that whoever it is, they'll, you know, maybe you or I or Elon Musk or Dalai Lama, Elon Musk is an alien, by the way. So it doesn't mean, <laughs> I mean, who, who does what he does? That's crazy. Right. But um, we all have this, these two beasts in us. And I think just the acceptance that that happens, we, there's, there's a reason why we do what we do and one's kind of taken over more than the other. And I think there's a lot of, um, the, the big theme of the book, book is this, this deep sense of kind of truthful self-awareness, right? Like I think you, I think there was a, the phrase you said something like no one's coming to rescue you or something like that. I can't remember exactly yep. what you said, but it was, it was that it kind of hit me. It was the, well, if no one's coming, then it's me 
why don't I just step up? Why don't I recognize who I am? I don't have to be perfect all the time. I understand what the struggle is. So my question for you is, at different points in time in, in our lives, someone may be listening and saying, well, I, I probably am feeling a little bit more of the struggle right now. And someone may be feeling a little bit more of the joy right now. How do they balance that out? How do they think through, how do they work through those two beasts? Yeah, once again, I, I think that if, as you're going through the emotions of who you want to become in your life, right? One of the things that I was able to do is I was able to, eventually come to this point in my life saying, like, enough is enough. Like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want to lack integrity. I don't want to fly off the, the handle with my, my children. I, I don't want to argue with my wife when she really didn't do anything. And it was really about my insecurity, right? You know, when you come to that, I would call in the book, I call it enough of this shit moment. <laughs> you know, when you finally get enough of it and you go, it's all my fault. Right. I talk about the 1% and taking the 1% back, you know, in, in this book, we're, we're talking about elite, a, elite athletes and elite leaders and CEOs and people of, of, of tremendous success. And so we confuse this. Well, you're part of the 1% crowd. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about that. What, I, what I'm saying is that when you take the 1% back, which is the responsibility, that burden that you put on other people to make you feel satisfied, to fill your cup to uh, meet you where you're at, when you take that back and take ownership of it, I'm telling you what, brother, it is the most freeing thing that you can do for your life. The happiness that you experience from not having the burden of anybody else filling your cup allows you to tame this beast inside of you that is unhealthy, that needs other people's attention, that needs the security that other people give, that needs and wants and, and desires more and more and more. When, when, you, when you take that 1% back, you actually temper him or her and you build up this healthy one where now you become the leader, you become confident in who you are because you realize you don't need anybody else to fill your cup. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying to do life alone. Yeah. I'm just saying that when it comes to filling your cup, you better be able to, you better be equipped to do it yourself because no one is going to come and save you is exactly what we talk about in the book. So, so this makes me... If someone asked, you know, if I were to think about the several of the CEOs that I get work with, and I, I would think about just my own personal growth in this area, I'd love your thoughts around this, because as you were describing this, it makes me feel like there is this growth moment that arises when um, you're comfortable, kind of, I call it by yourself with yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, we live in a very connected world. And uh, you've taught me the, you know, the, these these silent retreats where you just literally shut off and you get 20, even getting 24 hours by ourselves is, is, is hard these days. But how much would you say kind of this, this, this um, curated solitude has helped you through this process? Oh man, I tell you what, right now in my life, this has been the biggest game changer in order for me to push through and get a lot of these projects done and, and really to have the right mindset. You know, it when you start to have success in your life, things don't get easier. Like <laughs> they get more complicated and the problems become bigger. And instead of having a, a hundred dollar problem, you have a $10,000 problem. And instead of having a $10,000 problem, you have a million dollar problem, right? So the weight of those continue to pour on you. And if you cannot find 
how you handle those situations. If you don't have a process of making sure that you're able to take care of yourself through those, like you're going to have a breakdown. You're going to discover this, this person inside of you that you don't want to be right. And so it's so important like that, that 24 hour retreat, those are those 24 hour retreats that I was doing. I'm telling you what, brother, the, the freedom that I experienced in it, the amount of work that I was able to get done, that was important. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you taught me and it's been something that has helped me uh, to complete the book and to be able to get to this point, even with that, with the distribution of it is the flame work. Yeah. I spent more time on the things that I was passionate about and important as opposed to the things that were urgent and were the daily tasks that I was faced with. And for me to be able to do that is uh, I think once again, is that self-evidence is like, you can do that. Anybody can do that. We, often feel like we're on an island by ourselves in these challenges and these struggles. And one of the themes that I want I, I talk about in the book is the fact that you've experienced failure. Like every one of us have experienced failure. You <laughs> talked about Elon Musk, right? He had a really, really hard childhood, but because of that really hard childhood, it focused him on the talents that he had within him, right? The uniqueness that he had, and he developed that and he took ownership of that. And now he's benefiting from that. And we're all benefiting from the pain and the challenges that he faced at that time in his life. Yeah. And, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to look at those challenges and those those times in our life that, that, um, that we went through really, really hard things and turn them into our talents and turn them into our masterpieces. And we, we need that encouragement to know that, yes, we can do that. You can do that. You're fully capable of doing that just like I am. But if we don't have anybody telling us to do that, and if we don't believe that within ourselves, we'll, we'll never get there. Yeah. Yeah. As you were talking about this, it, it made me think of, I've, I've seen you. One of the things I, I so admire about you is, um, is the, the fact that you believe in, you believe in the goodness of everyone. And I, I mean that in a very positive way. It's not like, it's not the naiveness of Josh saying the world is good, not that, but you have this amazing capability of seeing the goodness and the grace in, in people. And, and I think that's your superpower, which is why I think a lot of times when you show up in a situation or even the first time we met, like it was all about, like it was, it was all about the other person. And you say, hey, I don't know if this person's going to be how they're going to kind of be in my life, but they're good people. I just don't know if they're good people for me. And I think that that's, that's really cool. The one thing I, I want to bring some tactical advice here and the tactical advice is across, across the multiple businesses that you own, across the hundreds of employees that you have and team members, um, you see a lot of these relationships as partnerships. You're like, Hey, I bring, something to the partnership, you bring something to the partnership, hopefully we are better together. But there've also been some partnerships that you have consciously recognized that, hey, they're good people, but probably not the right fit for me, right? Yeah. At this time. Yeah. Um, how do you, like, how do you have the strength, especially when there is a financial opportunity or a ego opportunity or a, you know, growth opportunity there to say, Everything looks good, but like, it's not quite aligned. And I think that a lot of people, if they can just manage a lot of the partnerships that they get into, most of the, I spend so much time unwinding partnerships for people and it's so painful. And then they spend years trying to get over it, but you've done such a good job of like staying super aligned with it. So what advice would you have for folks out there that are currently in personal partnerships, marriages, 
um, relationships or like business partnerships, like how should they, some thoughts around how they should think through that to stay aligned? You bet. It, it, this is such a great question. And, and I will tell you, I failed at this in my younger years. In fact, in the book, I specifically talk about how um, I failed in my communication with my marriage when it came to the financial picture of our companies uh, and a big purchase. And, and I walked through all of that. But I will say this, like the, the cliff notes of this is, is, is this, is you have to have a board around you. You have to create a board of people around you that you trust, these advisors. And oftentimes we, we don't think of ourselves as a business. We don't think of ourselves uh, as like, you know, who, would, who do I need around myself to make really good, educated, thoughtful decisions in my life and in my business life, right? And so I realized a number of years ago that I needed to have really good people that I trusted, that I gave authority to, to listen to and to respect sitting at my table that could identify the areas that either I needed to make a decision in, that I needed to give more grace in, or that I needed to give more love in, in my life. And so I have done that collectively over the years. I have a CFO, I have a COO, I have a CMO, and then I have board members as well too. And I, I made my wife the CFO, by the way. <laughs> And I did, and I learned that from my experience. I learned that from a, like, you know, to a certain point, a betrayal of our relationship that I was trying to protect her, right? right? I was trying to buffer her from the challenges that we were facing financially. But all I was doing was really driving a wedge and separating that trust that she had in me. And it wasn't until we really had to come face to face with that tragedy that, that I was able to start to build that back, that relationship and that, um, that, that trust back with her. And now I have an amazing board. And so when it comes to these opportunities, I just simply, I just simply talk to people about this. I, I go to my advisors and I say, hey, listen, here's the opportunity. What am I missing? Here's the opportunity. What are your thoughts on it? And then of course, from there, I mean, and then I take it to prayer. You know, I'm a, a man of faith and, and, and I've, I've got to have that. I got to have that time with my, myself and God. And I think it's so important for us. If we try to do life alone, we will fail miserably. And we might not fail immediately, but at the end of our life, we will realize and we'll look back at like, oh my gosh, did I just waste an entire lifetime of not including people to be around me? Yeah, I think the, 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 it's so fascinating that you and I talked about these two topics back to back, which was kind of the gift of solitude that you can give yourself, Yes, but also recognize at the same time where a really good support system can can help us. Um, I think there's, it's, it's no, it's no, you know, uh, it's by design that big, the biggest of public companies have boards of directors. Like why, why should they, there's a reason for that there. It's not just accountability. It's, it's for perspective. And, um, I always tell, you know, the, the entrepreneurs that struggle the most are the ones that when they're stuck, they don't know where to go. And when you're stuck, and I call it the 15 minute rule, you and I've talked about it a lot. I think for an entrepreneur, this, this stuckness is so exacerbated so fast. Like everything happens in, uh, in, in, in triple speed for us, right? Like when we, when we hit an opportunity and we see joy, most people are like, oh, I see one unit of joy. We see three. And yes. when we see like one unit of like sadness, we see three units of sadness at the same time. Yes. And it, that's why it's like when you and I are stuck for 15 minutes, it feels like eternity that we're, we're stuck. So I always, I always share with people, I'm like, Hey, if you're stuck for more than 15 minutes, you need to stop and we need to talk. Like something needs to happen because otherwise you're going to get stuck in this loop. And, and the question for you is how, 
How do you find somebody like from, you know, you and I talk about this often. How do you find somebody that you can share a financial topic with or a relationship topic with or a personal growth topic with or a, a, my the worst a lot of times is like a really mundane thing that the world thinks we should know given the success that are the proverbial success that we have, but we don't have, but it's not available on YouTube that we have to actually ask somebody. How do you find somebody that you can actually have a non-judgmental conversation with? So are you asking for who, who could potentially sit at your board? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, there's multiple ways of doing this. I think there's, there's two things that I can highlight. One is, um, I, I kind of like this pay to play, right? Um, you know, you and Bedros talked about this, uh, about mentorship and, and really like the quality of w- what you're going to be able to do in your life is, is really directly to the amount of money you're willing to invest in yourself. Yeah. And so I think that's such an important thing. We miss that. You know, that is something that I realized a number of years ago is that the quality of the coach or the mentor and that was going to impact my life was going to be directly proportional to the amount of money I was willing to invest in that. And I think that people have to realize that it's, and it's not a bad thing. We think of money as a bad thing. And we think that, Oh my gosh, you know, I don't want to invest in that. Oh my gosh. I can't, ima- I can't imagine spending $5,000 uh, to have that mentor or, you know, $25,000 to go to that, that event. And I would tell you like, those are the best things that you could ever possibly do for yourself because one, you'll take it serious yeah. Two, You're going to take stuff out of it. And three, you're going to make amazing connections with people that are going to help elevate you and your success as well. So I think that's one thing that we really need to be looking at is that what are you willing to do to pay the price financially to invest in the quality of the people that are around you, right? And I say quality, I mean like people that are successful. I think the other thing is too, is that you just have to look around. Like there are so many people literally in your backyard. You know, I, I, I have a, I live in Casper, Wyoming. This is a town of 60,000 people. And, and I went through that same thing where like, okay, there's nobody here that's going to be able to um, provide the knowledge that I need. There's nobody here. That's a mega billionaire that I can sit at their feet. Well, I literally just had to start going down the list of people that I knew and the qualities that they had that attracted me to them and why I needed to at least start having a conversation with. And from there, what I realized is when I made the effort to ask them to to coffee or to ask them to lunch, I started to understand them and get to know them even more. And then I realized if I wanted them in my life, if I could give them authority in my life, and if I could, then it was up to me to do the ask. Yeah. And in the book, we actually have an area where you can go to joshkalinowski.com. You can download the board table and then permission slips if you want to get as simple as that. So good. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, like when you, when you're sharing this with me, it reminded me of one of, one of my mentors sh- shared this uh, with me. Uh, he's like a father to me. And he said to me, cause I told him, I was like, Hey, I want to hire this coach. Uh, this, you know, and she's, uh, she coached, she coaches like heads of state. And I got this introduction. She coaches actor to the Navy SEALs. And he was like, what's the problem? Like, it's kind of expensive. And I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Like people should hear the number. And it was expensive. It was $40,000 per quarter. I, that's exp- in any world that's expensive, right? Like that's just, just like, and, and, and I was, yeah. I was 24 or whatever it was at that time. And I asked him, I was like, he's like, Sean, you're, you're thinking about this the wrong way. And I was like, well, how else do you think about it? there's only, right. <laughs> there's only one way to think about this. And he s- shared something with me, Josh, that switched everything for me. And he said, she doesn't need your 40,000. Do you know that? 
And like, that's when it clicked for me. It's like, she doesn't need your 40,000. I was like, well, then why is she doing that? It is what he called like a symbol of seriousness. Yeah. If you do that, she, you're literally signaling to her, whatever the, like, the, that's not the pricing is irrelevant. You're signaling to that person that I'm all in. Like you said, you, you phrased it really well. I'm all in. I'm not only committed, but I'm going to give you the authority to guide me with based on your experience. And I think that the symbol of this, the symbol of seriousness is what, when you find the right fit, that's the cool part. And it's less about the cash and it's more about the, I'm so, this is the symbol, like, thank you for, how else do I do this, right? And I think that's, like, when you shared that, I was like, wow, that's, that was really, really powerful. That clicked a lot. Well, and I think it's just, just like you and I have talked about, I mean, you know, one of the things that great leaders love to do is they, they love to pour into other people. They love to find those that are willing to listen and apply it. And there's nothing greater that will destroy the confidence they have in that person is when they don't do the work. If they just listen to you and they waste your time, you don't have time for that as a leader. You don't have a, you don't have time for that. I don't care who you are. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care like how busy you are. You still don't have time for people wasting your time. And so just like you said, it's not about, it's not about the amount of money to them. It's about how much you're vested in growing and becoming successful and listening to what they say. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I, uh, I want to, so let's, let's play this out. And I was thinking about this as I was reading the book. I have, I don't have the physical copy in my, in my hand. I've read the, I've read the manuscript. If you were walking through, hopefully through an airport one day with, with all of us together and you saw somebody pick your book off the shelf yeah. and you were able to walk over, tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, just read this chapter or read this message. And if you could guide somebody to one portion of the book, one part of the book, one message in the book, um, I know it's hard. It's like picking your you know favorite child, but what what is draw like what is uh, something of uh, one message in there or two messages in there that are really draw you that go to the heart of the book? Yeah, I think that there's there's two sections that I just absolutely love. Um, one is the wisdom formula. You know, this one was um, you know as a great as a great leader um, or any or you're leading anybody. I think mean, you want to have wisdom. Right? You want to have wisdom that you're making the right decisions. You want you want to have wisdom uh, in how you're leading people or how you're making uh, the right moves uh, for your businesses and then for your families uh, for your family success. And so this was a process that uh, through I mean just a ton of quietness, right? Um, through much prayer that it kind of it came to me and it evolved uh, as we were writing the book. And so the wisdom formula is, is definitely the chapter that I highly recommend. It's knowledge and understanding equals wisdom. And we really go into like what knowledge looks like and how do you get knowledge in your life? And then we, and then we move on to understanding, but well, how do you get understanding in your life? And then how that equates to uh, wisdom. So highly, highly recommend that one. That is, that is definitely one of the best uh, chapters that I refer to time and time again. Um, and, on the, and the other one is, I would say, this is a personal one. Um, so I, I, uh, I kind of expose myself in this book. I, I start to kind of tell obviously some uh, very uh, uh, personal stories, but one of the, the things that I share with you is a prayer that I've been saying over my children for a number of years. And you're like, well, why, man, why, why, would, why would you share a prayer or why is that an important thing? Well, I think that the, this prayer that you're able to, um, to use and duplicate and, and use in your life, I think it's powerful because first of all, one of the things that we have a hard time doing is articulating how we want to talk to our children. Um, 
how we want to talk to ourselves for that matter. You know, we have, the, we have negative talks to ourselves. We have, you know, we'll say 80,000 uh, negative connotations to ourselves every single day. And so this is an amazing prayer that you can start your day off personally but also you can say to your children every single night and it hits every point, right? It talks about having uh, wisdom in their life. It talks about having them strong arms and strong legs. Like I, I really feel like there's a fantastic job of encompassing as a father or as a mother, what you truly desire, desire for your children as they grow into the young men and women that uh, you want them to be. So I, I really recommend that. In fact, you can download uh, the prayer for your own personal uh, use. And, uh, and then once again, it's a great prayer for yourself. So uh, I, I think those are two really standout pieces in this book that highly recommend. Dude, that's, uh, uh, I, I also think that, um, I think I, when, I think I actually, for those that read the forward, uh, which you shouldn't have to, but I actually mention I call people out, hey, if you don't do anything else, go read the Go read the wisdom formula in the book. Um, we're going to do some bonuses and and all that good stuff. We'll include that in the show notes. But where, if you could direct people, where should they go? How should they get the book? Um, and I know you've got some uh, some goodies along the way as well. Yeah, brother, I uh, appreciate that. So yeah, definitely go to Amazon. It's on Amazon right now. And then in, and because you're having me on this, brother, I just once again I appreciate you. Thank you for so much for allowing me to share the story and to. Uh, to share the experience. But uh, I, I absolutely love not only the people that you have on here because they've impacted my life, but I love your fan base. They're just great. I watch them. I watch them interact with you. I can tell that they're just amazing entrepreneurs, that they're great leaders within their communities and their circles. So uh, what I want to offer them to is two different things. One is you go to Amazon and you buy the book. I'm going to give you the audible on this because we know that a lot of the time is people are, you know, they're out there, or they're running, they're working out, or they're in their cars, or they simply just don't have time to read uh, because life is busy. So we want to give them the audible book for free. And then also we did a number of videos to follow us up and give a little more insight and an in-depth uh, awareness of the book. So one of the videos that we want to send you for free is how to find your superpower. Now, this is an important thing. Um, and I think it gets overlooked. We, we don't realize that we're that unique and that we have a superpower in our lives. And I'll tell you, when you experience that, when you identify the superpower, like it will catapult you, it will help you get to that level of success, that level of freedom that you've been looking for in your life. And we want to give them uh, to that. So what I'll do is they'll go to Amazon, get the receipt, and then they'll want to email you and me, and then we'll send it to, to, to them. So. You got it, man. So we'll put all the, we'll put the guidance and the directions We'll make it really simple uh, yep. so you can just forward the receipt on and we'll make it easy for you guys. And so, uh, Josh, man, I'm so proud of you for uh, going through the process of writing it myself. I'm like, oh man, this is so hard, uh, especially the first one. I, I think the second one's going to come much easier than the first, just like anything else. But um, so just congratulations to you for being so vulnerable, putting uh, so much down on paper, sharing uh, the story that you've had, like just the fact of what you, you know, what you told Kate and what you didn't and where the, where the money went and where it didn't and what you learned, uh, really, really powerful stories. I can't thank you enough for being on, sharing the story. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes, my friend. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free. 
just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com.